Hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Rock, Rock, Rock and Roll podcast. Check out this record. My name is Frank, and with me is my good buddy, Mark. Hey, Frank. Hello, listener. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music Podcasts, and you can see these mugs right here on the old YouTube. You know, but you're asking yourself, when does this wonderfully charming little podcast get released? So you can hear it sizzle as we take it off the presses? Great question. Thanks for asking. Fortunately for you, new episodes drop each and every Friday. If you're listening, and as Frank mentioned, you're viewing pleasure. That's right. So if you're hearing us for the first time, then you're probably not annoyed with one of our past reviews. So welcome. Review records track by track, baby. We have lots of musical discussions. We do spotlight episodes which might even include some mysteries and we've listened we've only scratched the surface and we're just getting warmed up right mark that's right frank and be sure to check out uh, our verse series where we pick two bands or albums or songs against each other and make them duke it out for total stereo domination I love it. Now be sure to check us out on Instagram, Facebook group. Hopefully these episodes will leave you wanting more of our musical goodness. And that guy, Mark, his random nonsense right there. So if you got a record you want us to check out or drop a comment wherever you find us uh, while you're at it, like, subscribe, give a review and a rating. So I say this, Mark, we are the sultans. We are the sultans of swing. That's right. Dire Straits. Mark. How'd you get introduced to these guys? It had to have been videos on MTV or VH1, wherever sure. they were. Uh, I always enjoyed uh, that they went kind of above and beyond with the visuals, visuals for the videos, um, but never really got into them otherwise. I mean, I've heard them on the radio and I'm familiar with, with the hits, um, but this is the first time I really dug into an album. It was pretty cool. How, how about you, buddy? Well, you know, for me, it was, I heard this right here, Walk of Life, and I begged my mom to take me to the mall at the time, go to the record store to get the 45, this 45 right here. He's going to drive me nuts if he keeps touching it with his fingers. <laughs> there you go. How's that? Is that better? <laughs> I was obsessed with this song, right? The mm-hmm. organ intro, the simple rock and roll rhythm, uh, the use of oldies references like bebop Luba and all that stuff. Uh, I, I was hooked, but... Let's let's take it back, shall we? Let's see how Dire Straits got started and how we got to this album we're going to be reviewing, which is our first album. So here we go. Brothers Mark and David Knopfler from Newcastle, England, and friends John Isley and Pick Withers. Great name, by the way. Uh, from, Lan- from Lancaster, they formed the band in 1977. Uh, the band was initially known, Mark, as the Cafe Racers. Oh. Oh. In 1977, the group recorded a five-song demo tape, and after a performance at a rock garden in 1977, they took a demo tape to MCA in Soho, and they were sadly turned down. Uh, I know. They then went to a DJ by the name of Charlie Gillette, just wanting advice. That was it, and Gillette liked the song Sultans of Swing, so he played it on his show two months later. Dire Straits signed a recording contract with the Vertigo Division of Phonogram Inc. So, it's 1979, 78, let me rephrase, and the debut self-titled album comes out. Now, let's take a look at what's going on in 78. So a year earlier, the punk explosion was occurring in England. You had disco ruling the airwaves, psychedelic music, and here comes this, this little pub rock-style blues band with this blues album. Um, 
know, it's definitely against the grain right now at the time. So Mark, you're listening to this album and what are your initial thoughts? Like I said, I, I was familiar with the hits. So to get this kind of blues rock album with, with Sultans on it was a little surprising, but I was really pleased with the quality of the musicianship for, for their d- debut album, right? They're so really young for this. Uh, you can tell they love the music they're playing, even if it does go a few different directions stylistically from song to song. Um, why don't we just jump right into it? Would, would you be so kind as to uh, kick us off, my man? You got it, man. Let's get right into these tracks. So track one, down to the waterline. So we get an instrumental intro here, just till about the one minute mark of the track. Um, And we see right away Knopfler's playing skills, these great licks and this this Dylan sneer in his singing style. You get a lot of imagery um, and the quick finger picking comes together well with the overall tightness of the band. I think it's a chill way to open the album uh, and it's going to set the tone, right? Mark for the rest of the album. what do you think on this? Yeah, I agree. It's a really interesting opening track, right? We get this prolonged intro, which usually isn't something I'm, I'm normally into, but I really dig the way they did it because the, the band just sets this great tone, not only for the track, but for the whole album of what's going on with that intro. It's really smart. Uh, the guitar work here really is remarkable. And, and as you, uh, uh, pointed out he does uh, have a little bit of that really kind of cool uh, Bob Dylan-esque lyric and delivery so it was a little cool I tried not to read too much into it uh, especially knowing that Dylan was a big influence for him um, and you know it, it you know that it's dire straight so you know that the musicianship is going to be great and this is a, yeah. a really great example of that um, you know uh, I, I thought it was a, a a very cool track certainly to open with um, track two is Water of Love. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure this is the water at the waterline, Frank. Um, <laughs> there you go. This is going to be one of those things where I'm like picky and needy, and I know people on the internet hate it. I just don't like if you're going to use water as part of your title, you can't put those songs next to each other if they're not related. And right. I don't know that they're necessarily related here. It's just one of those things. That, I mean, I've thought about that too. So it's not like, I don't think you're alone on that. So (laughs) yeah. either way, I wasn't expecting this kind of like bossa nova style blues number. Uh, It was really cool musically. Lyrically, it's it's interesting. Um, I don't love the way he sings this one. He's not quite as sneering. He's not, he's not, I'm not sure what he's doing with his voice. I didn't, I didn't love it. Um, I would like a little more kind of desperation out of him vocally on this, right? Um, because I really feel like with a song like this, uh, I really need to hear that desperation. I need to feel that heartache. And I don't, I don't think it necessarily comes across uh, in his performance vocally. Yeah, you know, I, I, I thought that this song was pretty interesting and in that it has a very distinct blues approach. But I, I also heard some country influences there in the background as well, uh, content-wise. As you were saying, it's about a failed relationship and it's dressed up in this chill beautiful love song but you know maybe some desperation would have definitely helped and you know mark you're you're telling me that you were playing this on a sunday it's a perfect tune for a, for a sunny day right totally um track three we have setting me up I, I like how Knopfler here is is growling with the vocal tone um it, it's got this country rockabilly vibe to it which is cool the lyrics are a bit simple not gonna lie compared to the past two tracks we've listened to um it's not bad by any means but depending on my mood I may skip it from time to time. What about you, Mark? 
Yeah, I think this kind of rock and roll number, right? We kind of got a little blues up front. We got a little bit of that bossa nova. I think you nailed it. That last track does have a little bit of country to it. But in this one, and uh, set me up, it is kind of classically rock and roll. And you can hear um, all those country rockabilly influence Frank was, was talking about. Um, you know, this is the singing style I liked from, from Mark Knopfler. I wish he would have done this in the last track. It would have felt a little bit more genuine. Plus the guitar work here, again, is just, absolutely killer as you would expect yeah um track four six blade knife mm. uh, i dig this very 70s slow tempo blues rock number uh i really love the moodiness of it it's a bit of a seductive number as well it kind yeah. of holds you in with its kind of smooth tone but clearly it's kind of about vice um that's you know done you know uh, who knows what Mark Knopfler is into and how he kind of worked it into this. Like I said, I tried not to overthink these lyrics <laughs> um, because again, like anything you read about him, it's so Dylan forward that, and, and especially considering how intricate the guitar work is, I'm not convinced he's putting his heart and soul into these songs. Um, and that's okay. Um, I think this was a very cool number. Um, I like, I like the topic, right. That we're talking about. Yeah. And, and how, you know, something, uh, a six blade knife so not necessarily a swiss army knife but not necessarily a switch blade it's a really kind of interesting concept it makes your like immediately the imagery of a six blade knife uh, for me really kind of just made me go like oh what the fuck is that like right and then the way he gets into it about his vices and how this one will do this and this one will do that i really thought it was a really interesting track and to place it at that kind of slower or excuse me to pace it at that slower kind of blues uh, tempo, you know, in that really kind of seventies rock feel, I thought was really smart and interesting. I, I really dig that track. Yeah. I would say this is my favorite track on the record. I like you. I love the use of the six blade knife. It, it right. It, you take out a six blade knife. It can mean a number of different things in this scenario. Uh, women, it can mean a drug. It can mean uh, emotion. Perhaps it could be the combination of them. Uh, you can definitely hear the fender sound here with that clean, clean and bright tone. Uh, it has all the attributes of what a Fender brings. And that's definitely Knopfler's early signature sound. Um, I just like the chill vibe mixed with the serious lyrics. And, and like you said, it's, it's, um, it, it's interesting, this style of blues, because it's not really traditional, but they're kind of taking it and, and, and making it their own. Um, and you could tell the focus is definitely guitar centric on all these songs for sure. Cause he's doing all these cool little licks and stuff like that. But this, I think everything came together pretty nicely. So um, I, I really like this song track five already southbound again. Uh, you get a cool little shuffle here. And if you listen actually to the song down along the cove from Dylan's John Wesley Harding, you can hear some similarities with the composition, uh, which again shows the admiration for Dylan. Um, it wasn't a bad track. What, what about you? Yeah, I, I think you nailed it. It's a great little blues rock shuffle number. Um, great way to show off the, the rhythm section here and how tight they are. Uh, lesser bands can't pull this off. That shuffle is so tricky. I know a lot of people just associate it with like ZZ Top. Yes, um, right. Good point. But, good point. But this is really just them showing off how good they are. In the, in the introduction, I mentioned how they kind of, you know, the album is kind of, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this. And this is that great kind of blues, blues rock shuffle um that's just so good uh you know it's it's pretty chill 
Uh, but I, I totally dig it. I, I really thought it was an interesting number. And I, I looked up that comparison to the Dylan song and you're spot on, dude. It's right? Sick. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we get to track six. It's it's the hit. It's the song everybody knows, Sultans of Swing. Uh, I, I got to agree. It's an absolute classic. Uh, I love the way he's channeling D- Dylan here lyrically uh, and delivers them as smoothly as he does those amazing guitar licks. He really is laying out the vocals and the guitar here. I, I think this is some of his best work vocally as well. Uh, this song alone cements him as kind of like the guitar god we all know today. Um, and I'm a little surprised I hadn't dig, dug further into him, given just how good this song alone is. Yeah. yeah it's it's such a... And, and maybe because the, his demeanor overall is that very quiet and reserved, so it's maybe he's not on the forefront for a lot of people, but this this song to me is, is such an impactful song um it kind of gives the album though a little bit of a left turn uh as far as that feel goes different because it's very different rhythmically uh than the rest of the record uh it's a story about the london jazz experience based on offler's experience watching a band perform in a pub and they called themselves the sultans of swing uh listen it's a legendary song but a timeless solo that goes on for almost a minute what i also find fascinating about the song is that basically each verse he's complimenting it with a riff and a guitar lick uh, live. The song has a lot more energy too uh, than the album track, which I suggest uh, checking that out on, on YouTube when they're like at the peak of their game too. So it's a classic song. What else, what else can you say? Right. Um, track seven, we have in the gallery, um, the Harry uh, is Harry Phillips and that's father of no- uh, Mark Knopfler's friend and a sculptor of uh, abstract art. Knopfler graduated from Leeds University and moved to London. So in this gallery, he was impressed with what he saw, but also noticed uh, some of the cons that were going on. Uh, He said Phillips was ignored by all the trendy people, uh, even though the art was good and the attention was going to the pieces that uh, Knopfler said were laughable. Uh, It's kind of a cool idea to take this and turn into a blues song to say the least uh musically it's the same chill bluesy vibe that we get throughout most of the album uh but it's a cool concept mark yeah i did this uh cool and moody shuffle you know mark Knopfler does a great job with the the imagery here as frank pointed out um and paints a really cool picture if you will um <laughs> i think it's a cool tune but you know it's a it's a little bit of a you know a little of what you heard here a little of what you heard there um but Still, you know, a, a very nice tune. Uh, track eight mm-hmm. is the Wild West End. Mm. Um, you know, I found this song to be uh, way too adult contemporary for my liking. Uh, the lyrics are downright kind of cheesy. Uh, and musically, it doesn't feel like anyone in the band is doing anything interesting. Um, <laughs> it's kind of just a big old scoop of plain vanilla ice cream and an otherwise flavorful kitchen sink of cool tunes. I love that. <laughs> Yo, it's kind of in the same ice cream is universal, right? Right. Oh, I would hope so. Okay. I, I would hope so. Yeah. It's kind of in the same vein as the last tomb in the sense where it's about an area that Knopfler lived in and uh, after graduating Leeds University, he felt like a tourist in the area and and that's what we get here. Um, you know, I think he does a good job of using the imagery and the descriptive lyrics so that we could see these things in our mind's eye. Um, musically, it, it's even more laid back and you got the acoustic guitar rhythm over these licks that we've grown accustomed to thus far, uh, eight tracks deep into a nine track album. Uh, I wouldn't have minded a change up in tempo here, um, I'm, but I am trying to separate the context uh, from this 
song from from that aspect, uh, which was still enjoyable uh, to me. And track nine, we get Lions. So here we are already at the end of the record. Uh, we get a lot, uh, again, of London experiences here from the rush hour um, to the, I'm going to mispronounce this, but the, the Trafalgar Square to the Stone Lions at Nelson's Pillar, hence the name Lions. Uh, I gather this is more of a nocturnal experience and the music is a bit more fitting, even though it's still chill. I guess that makes sense to end the album with a song about night travels uh, through London. Um, what about you, Mark? Yeah, I just didn't like this song. It has a bit of uh, what's worked so far on the album again, but doesn't really do much otherwise. Lyrically, it works in places and, and doesn't in others. I, I found some of the lyrics compelling and some of the lyrics just kind of disposable. Um, I suppose it's just the way he's telling the story, but it, it kind of falls flat for me. Um, you know, in that really direct storytelling kind of way, I, I just didn't really uh, connect with it. Yeah. So... Well, that's the nine songs already. So we're kind of at the old final thoughts, pal. Yeah, we kind of we blazed through that record. Um, uh, so final thoughts, you know, um, I get why people like Dire Straits. Um, I don't know how often I'll come back to this record, but clearly these guys know how to play their instruments very well. Um, I would like to have uh, some songs with a bit more changes to them. Um uh, so often the songs are just kind of one idea musically that moves uh, through the whole thing with a guitar solo. And then we don't hear much of the band pivoting kind of mid song. We don't hear any late changes. We don't hear like the tempo change or uh, speeds pick up or slow down or, you know, really get into other atmospheres. The songs kind of start one way and kind of play all the way through for the most part, um, which is fine. It works. Um you know, this is a solid kind of six and a half, seven out of 10 for me, um, mostly because the songwriting's good, the musicianship's good. I'm just not connecting with, with a lot of it. Um, but I do appreciate the, the musicianship here. Um, and it's just kind of not for me. Um, although, as Frank mentioned, it's a great chill out way to spend a, a Sunday morning listening to this record. It's really very, you know... Um, is, is this kind of dad rock, Frank? Is this I, what dads are listening to? We might be getting to that dad slash yacht rock. Uh, okay. <laughs> but I guess that's what I guess what the dads are listening to. But it but it is kind of soothing and relaxing at the same time. You know what? Yeah, I can see chill into this record for sure. Yeah, yeah. So I I like Dire Straits a lot, and it's interesting to see how in this debut album they. They actually they didn't find their own yet, right? The self-titled name actually to me makes sense uh, as hey, world, it's 1978 and you have all this other music going on, but we are dire straits and this is what we sound like. So I give them credit for wanting to be themselves during this time. Uh, Sultans to me on the album is a, an, an enigma, excuse me. Uh, as basically the rest of the album is the, these chilled out blues tunes set to the backdrop of Knopfler's London experiences, which is cool. But knowing where the band had what they have coming up on future records, such as uh, the very experimental love over gold and my personal favorite making movies, it's easy to get lost in this at times. I do love the guitar work here and the growling Dylan-esque vocals. Uh, I do feel um, that some is a tad redundant and lyrically it's a different side of the same tale. And I, we start picking that up at the end of the record, uh, which is cool, but it 
and that works in a non-traditional blues way. Uh, if I had to rank this album with the others, it's definitely in the middle of the stack, which doesn't indicate it's bad. Um, like I said, I, I just still think it's them trying to sort things out and find their own. Uh, so I give it kind of like you, Mark, a 7 out of 10. Yeah. Yeah. So, Mark, this album came out in 1978, right? We weren't even born yet, but let's do a top 10, uh, five each uh, yeah. of our favorite songs of that year. Um, I'm going to give some guilty pleasures and I'm going to try not to pick some obvious choices, Mark. But uh, okay. did, you wa- did you want to kick us off? I mean, I, I don't mind. Go right ahead. Sure. So, my first pick, my number five, is a Streets of Fire off of Bruce Springsteen's Darkness on the Edge of Town. It's an absolute classic. I would listen to this song 1,000 times before I listen to Letters Home Again. Um, you know, it lulls you in with just his voice and that organ uh, for the band to just knock you over when they come in just so big. Um, it's got that big, bold sound we've come to love from Bruce uh, and works as the anthem of, you know, that generation and many to come. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to your point earlier via text, I gave you all, I, I set you up nicely for all the choices. It's <laughs> <laughs> Frank's work, turn to work on the script this week, folks. There you go. There you go. So um, here's a guilty pleasure. It's the song Grease by Frankie Valley. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Listen, it, you know, it's a guilty pleasure and even more that it's, it was penned by Barry Gibb from the Bee Gees, but uh, I, I really like Frankie Valley and uh, he hits it home. So there you go, Grease. Very nice. Now, I, I get it. I get it. Uh, number four on Frank's list of setups for Mark to get. Uh, I want to be sedated from the Ramones Road to Ruin, one yep. of the all-time great punk rock anthems uh, that changed the world for the better. <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So uh, this is the band Toto, they seem to be everywhere now and uh, maybe like they're popular. Right. Absolutely. They had a revival and I think it was due to the Weezer covers that came out a few years back. Um, Hold the line. uh, That's from 78, their first record. It it has that hard yacht rock feel to it. Um, Hard yard rock. (laughs) But I tell you what though, if it's on, I'm I'm playing that loud. So hold the line because love isn't always on time. Nice. I, um, I can't get no satisfaction. That's right. The Devo cover from Question, Are We Not Men? Answer, we are Devo. Um, It's just an awesome cover of an awesome song written by an awesome band that made us collectively rethink rock and roll had um, to be, uh, what rock and roll had to be, and and pushed uh, both new wave and digital music into a a new and different directions. Uh, I can never say enough good things about Devo. I can never say enough good things about the Rolling Stones. Uh, this cover is just awesome. If you haven't heard it, take the time. It's so much fun. It's it's so satisfying. Yeah. And speaking of the Rolling Stones, my my number three is Shattered by the Rolling nice. Stones. Uh, it's it's their reflection of the American lifestyle in the 70s, but they kind of put their little punk guitar influence on there, which was kind of cool and going on uh, at the time. Uh, it's a very neurotic song, and, and I absolutely love it. And I think Shattered... Um, it's yeah it's just fantastic so that was my number three mark nice number two for me is i don't want to go to chelsea chelsea love it elvis costello and the attraction off their uh first album this year's model i think this song is like the perfect example of what makes this band so fucking good they're tight as fuck with awesome grooves elvis is seductive as it's just all get out in his vocal performance 
it's it's just an amazing song really rich groove and you can hear him pushing new wave before anybody else yeah. was even thinking about it yeah oh, fantastic I, it's one of my favorite elvis songs uh number two for me is just what i needed from the cars wedge somewhere between new wave and rock you get this song uh, you got some synths going on uh some riffing guitars i mean this is a debut single from them that first album and second album it rocks big time so just what i needed fantastic stuff absolutely so uh my number one frankie is uh safe european home from the clash off of quite possibly my favorite clash record uh give them enough rope just an amazing opener uh to an amazing record both uh, but another classic punk rock anthem uh, that spoke to the to punks everywhere about uh, and confirmed that, you know, that we kind of didn't belong and that uh, what it is society expects from us uh, isn't what we want, uh, you know, from the mainstream world. Uh, a theme the genre has uh, beaten with his inches of its own cliche life, wouldn't you say? <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it, man. Yeah, I'm not afraid to take the piss out of punk rock. I well, mean, absolutely I'm, not. I'm, I'm too punk rock for a rock and roll podcast, but like, Oh yeah, you know if it's absolutely, kind of funny, I'll say it absolutely, and and please let it be known that they could even go back to our archives. Uh, if even if one of our bands puts out or one of our favorite bands puts out a new album that uh, we don't like, we'll we'll be more than happy to trash it. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, number one for me is "Surrender" by Cheap Trick. Uh, I think it's hooky. Uh, has that generational divide content to it. I love singing the song loud. Mommy's all right. Daddy's all right. They just seem a little weird surrender um i really like cheap trick so yep that's my number one man very nice man that's a great choice it's a great what uh what do you think we got on track for next week there buddy mug 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 Ooh, Ooh, yes i'm not any booze or drugs no just mug mug mugs (laughs) nice coffee (laughs) coffee listen i'm so stoked to be talking about everything sucks mark by one of our favorite bands, Descendants. Um, so this was in 97, and um, it's a little bit ago, but um, it was our 96. first album. 96, so sorry. But it was our first album since 87. That's what I meant to say. And uh, we're going to go through this, man, track by track. It's a fun record. I, I love it as a comeback record, and um, I, I can't wait to talk about it. Mark, what do you, what do you, what do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm really stoked. Uh, I'm moving and Frank's letting us do softball albums uh, until until I get moved. So I appreciate that, buddy. Thank you. Uh, no, look, this album is phenomenal. The fact that it's turning 25 years old is kind of mind boggling. Um, these are the, the grandfathers, if not the great grandfathers of pop punk. Um, this this album absolutely cemented them uh, with the, the second and third wave uh, punk rock uh, generations to follow. Uh, it made made people fall in love with Milo all over again, and really the whole band. Everyone's got an amazing song on this album. I'm so stoked to talk about everything. Yeah, so, yeah, I can't wait. The anniversary, I'm going to show off. Woo. Um, yeah, no, I'm pretty excited. I'll be wearing the hat. I'll see if I can find the Descendant shirt that fits. Yeah, I'll get the Descendant shirt. I'll oh. get this shirt on too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You get the I don't want to grow up shirt, right? The yellow one. That is true, my friend. I've got a couple. Um, that none of them fit right, but my fat ass will work it out. <laughs> awesome. So, pretty stoked. Absolutely, man. As you should be. Thank uh, you. Listen, everyone, thank you for tuning in. Please like and subscribe. If you have an album uh, request, please let us know. Thanks for the support on uh, YouTube. You guys are liking the videos and subscribing. So definitely appreciate it. Uh, thank you all and be very, 
very safe out there. Bye-bye.